windows. The Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys and girls. Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nucky spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Friday as ETSU prepares for a battle tomorrow afternoon against the Citadel Bulldogs. Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher will be talking all things ETSU and the Citadel. It's Friday, so you know what that means. The route tree with Austin Heron will be on there. And we'll have our bold and awful. At least lately. Completely awful. I mean... Predictions. I don't know what's been going on with this. Now, I was sitting there at about, I think I was hitting like 333 or something like that. And I was feeling pretty good about myself. I think I started to get cocky. You know, you, you always got to focus on what you do week to week, right? Randy Sanders tells us that all the time. You got to focus on what you can control. Well, I, I let the success get to my head. I sit here now, I think, at like 220 for the batting average or even lower than me. I'm still beating you, which, which makes me happy. Uh, hopefully that stays the same going forward. But I like to think of competing against myself. You know, you're the ultimate standard. When you look yourself in the mirror, you have to answer to yourself, right? And unfortunately for me, uh, what's staring back at me is a failure of bold predictions right now. Is it just in bold predictions? Well, I try to keep it one thing at a time, okay, you know, tackle sure. one issue yeah, per day. Sure, sure. Yeah. I'm look, I think I'm going to be all right this week. I actually so? I did more thought into bowl prediction than I normally do. As you know, <laughs> it's like six minutes before the segment starts. Just a lack I of look preparation. up a few things, and then we throw darts, right? I'm just throwing darts. See, that, and that's the issue for me. Is like I'm sitting here looking at matchups, breaking down the in-depth numbers, calling coaches for film, things like that, and to have only five right out of a possible 21. Uh, seven weeks in now, which is crazy about bowl prediction. Seven weeks in. Um, I just don't like how this has gone. I don't like myself. I also wish you would stop bragging about being better than me when I've just told you I'm throwing darts six minutes till, and you've done research. You're calling people. You're trying your hardest. I'm just pretty much throwing, you know, whatever out there. Well, no one said do it six minutes ahead of time, you know. No, but you se- can always the segment is better. every Friday. I do know when it happens. You d- I mean, it's, yeah, and clearly you get texts now from Jacob reminding you. And so, really, you're going out of your way. Not to succeed at this point, which is incredible. That's my life. Uh, well, nah, that's <laughs> don't, don't get in your own way, right? All right, let's talk a little bit about the Citadel before we bring in Austin Herrick and uh, break down the game, his thoughts last week, uh, obviously the shutout on homecoming, what that felt like, being ranked top 25. I'm sure we'll talk to him about a bunch of other stuff. Then we'll get into the actual route tree portion. But the Citadel, a little bit odd because of a, a hurricane, knocked a game out. So a game short, we heard on Tuesday – then their play-by-play man, Luke Morrow, that they actually didn't get to take advantage of that with practice yeah. because I didn't think about this, but they evacuated everybody. So everybody right. went home. So lost time. The biggest question mark really for the Bulldogs is the defense. It's so young. They're giving up almost 450 yards total offense. 
They're giving up a lot of yards on the ground, 200 yards rushing to teams that aren't rushing. Like, it's one thing to give up 200 yards to Wofford. Um, it's another thing if, if you're giving up to Chattanooga, who's a pass-heavy team. You know, Townsend's a pass-heavy team. They give up almost 200 yards of rushing to, to Townsend as well. ETSU certainly has found a good groove in the ground game. So you would like to think that that's something ETSU could take advantage of. Well, and I'll be interested to see again how they work in the running backs because really over, you know, this last week, week and a half, um, whatever the case may be, two full weeks, whatever it is, where you're finally having Jacob Sailors and Quay Holmes both completely healthy at the same time. Those are, and Randy Sanders talks about it all the time, how he doesn't feel like there's a lot of great playmakers on the outside, guys that will blow you away with uh, with the numbers, right? The 40-yard dash time and maybe the physicality, just the pure size, whatever you define an athlete as and the skills that you need. There's just not a lot of them right now on the outside. So to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the two best playmakers, two most dangerous weapons that this team has are Jacob Sailors and Quay Holmes offensively. And so any way you can to work them in, they uh, talked about it after the game with you last week against Gardner-Webb. Tried to work Jacob Sailors in the pass game. Tried to do some things in that pass game on third down, which led to 9-14 of 14 on third down last week, where you could have both on the field and really see some success there. So do they build off that? Do they throw a couple other wrinkles in and have Sailors and Holmes on the field at the same time? Maybe Sailors in the slot, or you know, we've seen a bit more of that over the past couple of weeks. But I'm more interested than just the straight forward running game because we're going to see a lot of that from you know Citadel with the triple option or second league in rushing of course with ETSU maybe being a bit more dynamic and creative in the running game and also with how they use your backs just exactly how that does play out this week well I've noticed again they put the two backs in at the same time a couple times think about that if you're a defense where ETSU is predominantly a single back team yeah then all of a sudden you break out the two backs not we're not talking our formation with a fullback we're talking both guys on the field at the same time. Whether they're both beside the quarterback, or we saw a couple times where Sailors did split out. Matter of fact, on the on the wide receiver screen, he was the furthest wide out, not even in the slot, and they were able to work a, a wide receiver screen. I'm, cause I, I thought out loud, I was like, "Wow, why is Jacob Sailors split all the way out?" Yeah, actually, then, yeah, you're actually that's Jacob Sailors down there. Yeah, yeah, and then and then they threw to him, and it made sense at that point. Right. So, but it happened so fast, the defense didn't have time to adjust right. either. Now they've shown that before, so so maybe it's not much as a surprise. I kind. I kind of thought the the way that uh, Harrison and Warts uh, um, started the year that they had an opportunity, right. especially at the receiver position, to make plays. That has not. I'm talking about Quan Harrison and Ari Warts. But and Ari's been hurt a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he's been in and out. So you could see that had the chance in the end zone, just slipped through his hands. We, we More had, of a one off thing, we think. And, well, and agree. And I think Harrison. You know, had had a couple big uh, pass receptions in that first game, had a punt return punt for turn, touchdown yeah. against VMI. So you think both those guys would have an opportunity. They, it just hasn't worked out. It's been all pretty much running backs. And our guy Ernie from Kingsport, who loves to call in on what we love Ernie. You know, he's a big contributor to the Buccaneer Sports Network, especially on the coaches show every week on Wednesdays from Wildwood Cafe, 6 o'clock on the Buccaneer <laughs> Sports Network. He called in, and I think it was two weeks ago, and he said, you know what, I'd really love to see – Quan Harrison really come into his own because you know there's some major talent there and he talked about how he watched him in high school and by no means I don't think we envision Ernie as like a break it down between the lines expert college analyst but people around the area know Quan Harrison people have seen those flashes those those kind of come and go type things where if you could just harness the lightning in the bottle you know, that he could be a really dangerous threat, but that just hasn't happened either. So, again, health, I think, plays into some of it with Ari Wirtz and with Quan Harrison. Um, I don't know what they need to do 
uh, if it's just playing more to his skill set, or I, I'm not quite sure. But Randy Sanders agreed with Ernie and said, yeah, there's definitely a lot there. We just got to find out ways to get him the ball. So moving to the other side of the ball, and I think certainly Citadel is who they we thought they were, who they are, right? The three-back team. They run a lot more of the, the traditional broken bone, flex bone, whatever terminology you, know, you want to use with a, a B-back. And then the two A-backs that are slightly off the line. And the ETSU said it's more of an H-back, but in their style of offense, it's an A-back. And so they're going to run a traditional dive quarterback and pitch, right? Three options on that. Normally, Coach Taylor tries to take away what he thinks is the best option. And if you're looking at numbers, that looks like the fullback Lorenzo Awards leading the team in yardage, leading the team in attempts, leading the team in carries. But it, it's easier said than done because they'll do it out of some different sets. They'll try to start with fullback down. But certainly, if you can take that away, then you're talking about the quarterback having to make decisions. Does he keep? Then, you know, whose assignment isn't on him? And then the third thing is the pitch. You know, do all guys that have those three assignments stay on what they're supposed to do? And the curious part is that where does Coach Taylor thinks uh, the Bucks could be hurt the most at? Because if he's not really scared by Ward, then they'll give a look to where they want him to hand it off and then try to stop Ward for a few yards. Here's my worry about taking away the fullback dive and that being, like you said, statistically it looks like they want to do a lot of that and just go straight up the gut. You can do that early. But how are you able to sustain that when they are coming downhill at you for, you know, 50, 60, 70 play, however many plays, you know, they end up running? Usually it's a lot more than that, right? Because they're on the field a lot more often than the opponent's offenses are, and they're going to have the 14, 15, 16 play drives that just wear you down. So it helps to have depth up front, and ETSU has that. I think they're very strong on the – defensive line and and in the linebackers we've known that since the start a strong front seven but when you have some road graders coming at you over and over and over and and how do you counter that well okay put more people in the box well then are they going to hit you over the top with yeah they're only averaging 90 yards per game passing the ball but are they going to hit you over the top for a couple big plays because quite honestly with how things have gone this year for citadel it appears to me and this may be a bold take maybe i should save for bold predictions but Unless they get a couple of those really big chunk plays in the pass game or they do get some 50, 60-yard runs, I don't think that Citadel's beating ETSU. Um, it would take, and I think Citadel does it well, right? And so we can't just say, well, just take away that. and It's not that easy. But if you're able to limit those huge plays, then I think that's not where you start but a great goal to end at. Taking away the dive's tough because they're just so big, they're strong, they've done it so many times. ETSU, though, can counter a bit with that depth up front. The uh, average yard per catch, by the way, 23 yards. So they're only averaging about three or four yeah. pass uh, receptions a game for the 80 yards. But when you talk about four catches for 85 yards, that's a that's a lot of chunk plays. And that's exactly what they, they try to do. Just That's the one thing I remember listening to Paul Johnson when he was still at Georgia Southern before he went to Navy and Georgia Tech was – he would laugh and say, oh, these people don't think we're big play offense. They, they haven't watched us. You know, right. we, we lead the nation in touchdowns of 40 yards or more, and even our passing game has got more uh, 50 or more yard touchdown passes than traditional passing teams. So, and, and they do have a talented quarterback, Jordan Black, who saw some time with him and Dominique Allen splitting the last couple of years. They are very experienced offensively. That's the good news for the Citadel. They just are struggling defensively. The one worrisome thing is I know ETSU got over the hump by beating VMI. I still don't say 
it was a great game no. uh, all the way across Ten the board. Ten combined right? turnovers, yeah. So uh, ETSU, other than maybe Kennesaw State, has yet to play a great road game. So that part scares me. I think if this was a neutral site game, obviously at ETSU, I, I think no issue. Right. But at Citadel, Charleston, 2 p.m. game, usually humid, it's muggy. Now, I know there's a cold front that's going to knock the temperature down a little bit uh, for tomorrow's contest, but I still think, you know, the Bucks are going to have to set the tone defensively first, and it will, you know, this is a physical game. So that front three in the depth, as you talked about, I think there's certainly depth at the linebacker position. Front three, not so much. The other thing, this would be a big game for the safeties because they're going to have to take a responsibility and they're going to have to make a one-on-one tackle on open field. Yeah, and I think it's not only that, but then it's also, you know, keeping in the back of your mind that passing game. So to come up and fill, and Jeremy Lewis was in the press conference on Monday, a defensive back for the Bucks, and he said, oh, we, we love these kind of games. You know, we love to be able to go up and really mix it up and, um, you know, hopefully do some pushing, of around, pushing around of our own rather than the opposite. Uh, it's going to be all 11 guys, and I am very curious to see how in a normal college football Saturday atmosphere where your fans aren't cheering for you, you're on the road, because let's be honest, that VMI game, and you're not taking anything away from the Bucks. they got the first row, but in just any way you can get that first one to get off the schneid is, is big. But a Friday afternoon, um, VMI traditionally not a football power by any means. Now you go to Citadel, and, and we talked about it a lot with the Top 25 poll. What is the big thing that plays into – um, a lot of storylines around college football perception, right? Uh, teams that have been there, teams that have history. Citadel does have that, and they've they've done things, you know, a certain way for quite some time, and had success for a long time doing some of those things. So, I think that, and you can paint the picture atmosphere-wise better than myself, but just being on a Saturday in front of hostile fans in a hostile environment, and you talked about the other factors too. This is going to be a whole other animal. This is not. Um, Gardner Webb, you know, this is not Mars Hill. This is not William B. Green Jr. Stadium. That element worries me. Yeah, the one thing about Charleston is they really rally around the Citadel, especially football, baseball, and you're not that close. So, you know, in Johnson City, you're pretty close to Knoxville. You're pretty close to Blacksburg. You're not so much that close to Columbia, South Carolina, not so much anywhere near Clemson. So, you know, to pack up and go to those places, it's a little bit of a longer trek than, than what it is. So I think that helps as well. And I think they built such a good atmosphere there for 20, 30 years. They've yeah. been a playoff team. I mean, just two years ago, Coach Thompson's first year at the helm, they go 10-2. and two. They're 8-0, a perfect record in SoCon play. So last year, a step back at 9-4, and 6-1. and one. They've already had two tough losses, which they're not used to. But the cadets will be there. They'll make a lot of noise. There's a huge alumni base that, that still lives because of all the military stuff that goes on in Charleston. Right. There's still a huge alumni base that makes it. So that's, uh, that is a little bit concerning. Uh, I think turnovers would be another factor. Uh, ETSU, the last two games, you know, obviously they, they've uh, plus five. They've four, six turnovers, turned it over once. They've been able to turn into points. Citadel, the one thing they do really well is hang on to the football. They've got three turnovers total, and they four, six. They're pretty good about ball hawking in the secondary, and so that'll be uh, something ETSU and Austin Herrick and if Logan gets it, those guys have to be worried about. I think this game's close, uh, and that's right now a good thing for ETSU considering the at least recent history for both these teams in close games. ETSU 
has won three games by a combined eight points, right? And Citadel, a couple of close games this year that, that they've dropped. And this game was close here last year. I mean, it was one of the two. What, Citadel and uh, was it uh, Sanford last year? The other game at William B. Green Jr. Stadium that came down to the last drive? Was it, it was a Wofford and Citadel. Wofford and Citadel. So these are the two that you know, you've got a chance to kind of get that revenge where you were close last year at William B. Green Jr. Stadium. Came down to that last drive, of course, against uh, Wofford. Was that the Juwan Stinson slip on the fourth down in the 20? The, yes, the Wofford was. The Citadel each issue had a fourth, fourth and down one, in their own territory but it was, yeah, it was in their own territory and they try to go quickly and and citadel again senior laden defensive front able to stuff that but you're right there you know i mean you're right there and this team is light years ahead of where it was last year in terms of competing on a week-to-week basis that being etsu and citadel with a couple of close losses now again we're what six seven plays away from this conversation being flipped right where citadel is uh, undefeated and in coming into this game well that Towson game was a little bit more out of here but the the two get so three and one um, and, but three and oh in the conference and three and oh so. in the conference and so you know and ETSU if, if you have a few things go against them and granted Austin Herrick I think spoke to it very well and we'll hear from him in just a couple of moments he's arriving for the route tree but he spoke to it pretty well uh, earlier this year after the uh, the big win against Furman um, this team's winning some close games because the veteran leadership we've been there and this program's developing and learning how to win so it's not just, oh, the shoe's on the other foot. Like, obviously, it's not for a reason, right? But uh, I think it's going to be another very close game um, with ETSU being the more experienced bunch they are. And uh, it'll be tougher on the road to win that tight game. But ETSU certainly is prepared as much now as they've ever been to do so. Yeah, and, and uh, can't can't wait to see again where they've taken those great strides. And we got a lot more to talk about this. Austin Herring, the route tree's coming up in just a second. So we'll talk to him after the timeout. Don't forget Bold Predictions, our last segment. 2 p.m. kick time, 12.30 broadcast time on the Buccaneer Sports Network. It's the route tree with Austin Herring. We'll talk to him right after this short timeout. This is Sandoz and the Sidekick. Don't forget to download us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. You can also subscribe to RSS feeds every time a show is uploaded. It'll be automatically downloaded for you. Don't forget Twitter, Facebook, any way that you can. We'll try to give you every option to listen to the broadcast. This is Sandoz and the Sidekick route tree right after this on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Congrats, you made it! Through National Ice Cream Day, National Hot Dog Day, and even National Sunglasses Day, you took on the heat, took care of the yard, and even took a vacation. But now it's October, and you finally have a chance to breathe. And with that chance to breathe also comes a chance for fun when you play new October Instant Games. Pick up one of four new games for a chance to win $1,000 up to a $1 million. Fall into some fun with new October Instant Games from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about Wow Rate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Wow Rate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Bank your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! 
Yeah, I've been thinking about getting the band back together, but we need a new name. Ah. How about the five seasons? Nah, not raw enough. Chuck and the prime ribs? You don't get it, do you? Sorry, I'm a butcher. Ah, my bad. How about four New York strips? Now that's music to my ears. At Food City, our butchers are so good at what they do, you'll think they can do anything. Butchers make it better. Only at Food City. Ice T-Bone, the beefy boys, the tenderizers. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City Way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City Way. When you come to Johnson City Honda, you can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. Sandos in the sidekick, Austin Herring joining for the route tree. Jay Sandos has stepped away for these two segments. He will be back with bold predictions in the final segment of our Friday show. We're taping this early. Fourth wall is coming down. You're going to be on the road to Charleston, Austin to take on Citadel. And we'll talk a lot about that game. going to talk about the route tree. But first, we're taping this in studio just to let people know. That means I have access to the entire button bar and montages that we usually (laughs) use. So I just want to get your take on this before we get to anything else. I'm not supposed to say that. Let's go. It's big boy football. We're not playing touchy-filly, everybody be happy, you know, football anymore. Let's go. I'll carry that rail myself, 100-something pounds, but I'll put that thing under one arm and get it in the trophy case, I promise. I'll have enough energy and enthusiasm going to uh, manage that. Let's go. I'd have that goalpost thrown over my shoulder coming back up the interstate, probably naked with the thing on my shoulder. Let's go. I thought I was going to have a coronary down here on the sideline on offense. Let's go. I'm an old fat guy, and I'm sitting here fighting cramps right now, walking up and down that sideline. Let's go. I was sitting here looking at chicken wings and tater tots. Let's go. I can't wait to get home and fire up a cigar and have my dot Pepsi. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Okay, that is the Randy Sanders montage. He's just too quotable to not come up with something like that. Your take on that, and then I have actually a follow-up to that with a soundbite that we have some dissension on within Sanders and the sidekick between myself, Jay, and producer Trey Adams, but your general high-level view of the Randy Sanders montage. That sounds like meetings. You know, he, he's always <laughs> dropping one-liners, and, uh, you know, he's trying to get a sponsor with Doritos, too. Cool so, Ranch, I understand, is his favorite. Yeah, Cool Ranch. So he's got, you know, the Cool Ranch uh, wrappers posted all over his office. So that's pretty cool. And, you know, he's he's always saying something. So that comes as no surprise. I do like the let's go, like, in between each one. Adds a nice little touch there. Do you recognize the theme? Did you ever watch professional wrestling growing up? 
Not really, but I've, okay. I've started watching a little bit of it Have since you? I got okay. in college. Yeah. So that's uh, that's Goldberg, who's like the greatest of all time. We, yeah. we like to kid that Randy Sanders doing great things on the field, even better things on the mic. So yeah. uh, Randy Sanders and that montage is something that we're going to add to as things go along throughout the year. Now, what we do is when he says something along those lines, because uh, I, I listened to like five or six hours of Randy Sanders sound. It's just part of the gig, right? And so uh, last night, or pardon me, this was Monday, last Wednesday. I can't remember exactly when it was. But uh, he had a quote where Jay was on the fence. Trey said yes. I said no. Uh, and keeping in mind the tenor and the pace of the Randy Sanders montage as it is now, tell me what you think of this one and if it should be added or not. You're kind of acting as the tiebreaker here. Playing quarterback in the shotgun, if the snap is low, it's like driving down the interstate at 75 miles an hour and sticking your head under the steering wheel to find your cell phone in the floorboard. When you raise up, you don't have a clue what has happened. Firstly, is that true as a quarterback yourself? And secondly, is it montage worthy? Yes, and I don't know if it's montage worthy because okay. it's a little long. Um, but He's right on top of it. That was exactly the reasoning we had to. But, I, I mean, it's a good quote. It's it is true. A good quote. Yeah. So, like, you've had that happen where you've looked up and you've said, I have, what in the world? Like, is that, is that a panic state almost? Not a panic state, but it's, it's one of those things where everything happens so fast when you're on the field. You've got about two and a half to three seconds to make a decision. And so if a half a second is spent, you know, with your head looking down, trying to get the ball – you can't see what's going on in the secondary, and so you're playing catch-up from there. So I don't know if it's as dangerous as driving down <laughs> the, the interstate you know, looking for your cell phone, but um, it's not very helpful, I'll say that. I wanted to pitch it to you because I'm hoping that the common everyday person does not know the feeling of fiddling with their cell phone, going 70 miles an hour down the highway and going down and trying to get it and then looking up. And, I mean, disaster could ensue, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I, I hate to say it, but I've been in that situation. <laughs> but uh, and, and that is a pretty scary feeling, no doubt. All right, let's talk football. Uh, last week, 45 nothing over Gardner-Webb. I don't think there's any doubt from an outsider perspective that that was the most complete game that this team has played since you've been here, since football's been back. What did the team feel about it? What did you feel about it? It, it just was a dominating performance. At least that was the appearance and really put the game away, which is something that I think, Randy Sanders, yourself, the team was waiting for. Yeah, I, I think – you know what you said is correct. That's probably the most complete game that we've had since we've been back. So it was good to do that. And I think what's really cool about what's going on now is our defense is playing incredible, as everyone knows, and we've got a really good running game. So with those two things in hand, you know, I think we can do some pretty special things. Um, you know, from the team's perspective, I think we're just excited to kind of put everything together. We definitely thought that you know Gardner Webb was going to give us a run for our money, and you know when we got up seventeen nothing at halftime, we were pretty focused on the fact that they're going to come back and make some plays. We have to you know counter that and keep going, and I think it was really crucial for us to get that score with Jacob breaking that long run uh, right after halftime, and you know kind of kept the momentum in our way, and we were able to put them away after that. Well, it's incredible week to week, right? Because you're up 17 nothing at Chattanooga, and they come back and get two touchdowns and a 17-14 tight game at the end. And uh, if there's a few more minutes left in that game, you know, you're glad it ended after 60 minutes. Uh, and so then Gardner-Webb, you get 28 points and really just put the hammer down. Was there any difference in feeling and approach or anything like that? Or Randy Sanders said Monday it was just about, well, like part of it was they're not Chattanooga, and, yeah. we went and we came and found that out. But was any of it, 
learning from the week before and just instantaneously taking that over to the next week. Yeah, I think it was mindset, and we kind of talked about that last yeah. week. You know, um, that's the step you have to take from being you know a, a good team to you know an even better team. And so I think some of us kind of talked about that talked about that throughout the week. And so um, you know, at halftime we were like, let's go. We got to keep the foot on the gas pedal and, and keep rolling because um, you know it's on us as seniors and as leaders to you know, finish these games off. And if we can't finish a game off, then, you know, we'll lose a few games here towards the stretch. So I think it was good for us to be able to see, hey, you know, we can do that. And um, that's something we have in our arsenal. Let's go. Glad you dropped one of those then. Let's talk about <laughs> Citadel. On the road at Charleston, of course, the VMI game is going to be most comparable at this point, right, in terms of road contests that you've had to face. Talk about the atmosphere that it'll be in Charleston, how you've played there before, how you plan to have success. Um, on the road just being the different animal that it is, and it seems like especially with the historical aspect that Charleston uh, brings with that Citadel program, uh, it seems like they really buy in around the area. It seems like they create a very tough atmosphere to play in. How do you deal with that this week? Yeah, you know, the Citadel's a, a really historic place, as you said, you know, with the military and all that, and Charleston's a great city. So, um, you know, I remember going there in, I guess it was 2016, and obviously not our best performance, and they were really good at the time. Um, I think that we have a, a better process on the road this year than we had last year in terms of, you know, how we handle things and our schedule and the way things are set up. So I think that'll bode well for us, um, you know, in terms of the Citadel, they're a great team. You know, they, their record doesn't indicate how good they are. They've got some athletes. Offensively, they pose a lot of problems, you know, because you know, they hold the ball for so long. So we're only going to get the ball, you know, 8 to 10 at the most 12 times. And so you have to make sure every play you're doing exactly what you need to be doing because it matters so much more than, you know, if you're playing at Samford and you could get the ball back, you know, a lot more than you would in this game. So um, offensively, you know, from our perspective, each play in each series has a lot of meeting, and we have to, you know, we have to take advantage of that. You don't got to give away anything that's going to happen Saturday, but generally in that situation, is the approach to because you got to help out your defense, right? In these type of situations, I'm wondering how the offense um, game plans in doing that. Uh, in those situations where you are faced with limited possessions, is there a specific approach that a team needs to take in order to have success? Is it, well, we're going to go uh, you know, eye for an eye for them. We're going to run the ball 60 times or whatever it is. Or, or do you try to hit, hit them over the top and, but then risk having to go, have your defense go back out there again and getting even more gas? What do you feel is the best approach? Yeah, I think it's a mixture of both. You've know, you, you got to fill the game out the first couple plays and kind of see what they're giving you, seeing if – hey, they've been doing the same thing on film all year, but wait, you know, today they showed up in something completely different. So fill things out, um, and, then, and then once you get a good feel, you know, how are you guys handling things? Are we able to run the ball? Are we able to throw it? Can we do both? So, you know, with that, you can kind of go based upon that. It just kind of goes back to the same thing. Take what the defense has given you um, because – you know, if you try to force the issue one way or the other, um, you probably won't have much success. I'm hoping you could dispel some myths about what a bye week helps you do for the next opponent. Citadel, of course, has their first scheduled bye week this year. Yeah. Obviously, they had the unfortunate situation with Hurricane Florence and Charleston Southern, and that game may be made up later this year and such. And uh, we talked to Coach Thompson 
earlier uh, this week. He called it a hurrication. You got to appreciate a guy that uh, finds some humor in that. Uh, you know, the fact that it happens so often is what he was saying. It's you know third one that he said they had to deal with, and so they've kind of termed it that to get away, come back, and then really be able to focus again. But step away, make sure everyone's safe, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, looking at you know the bye week and having that schedule with a full um, another six seven days to prepare does a lot extra go into that opponent are, are people diving deeper into film or is it more focusing and obviously you'll be I'll only be able to speak from the Bucks perspective but kind of intrinsically and seeing what else you can do what does the bye week usually in the middle of a year get spent doing yeah so I can only speak for the past few years. Right. I don't know how we'll handle it because I've never had a bye week with Coach sure. Sanders and his staff. But, you know, the first practice, like the Tuesday practice of the bye week, will be pretty much focused on you. And then as the, as this, or the week progresses, um, you start focusing on your opponent. So um, that's typically how we did it. Personally, you know, last year I was really excited about our bye week being in the middle of the season. But I kind of felt like it you know, maybe got us off, you know, our timing or something was weird hmm. once we came back. And so I think there is something to be said for playing so many games in a row because you get in a rhythm. You know, when you have that, you know, abrupt stop in the middle of the season, it's kind of like, okay, we got to restart this whole thing. So I think bye weeks can be, you know, really positive, but also I think they can, you know, be a negative if you don't handle it the right way. So are you saying that perhaps, you know, Citadel will have spent, you know, extra days on ETSU just obviously again from ETSU's perspective, but is that something that is scheduled in for that bye week? I'm just trying to come to some kind of conclusion on how much more can you learn about a team? Because games are a week apart, right? You spend three, four days on a team and it seems like you'd be able to glean everything you need to off there. Or is there another level of prep you can take it to? Um, you know, I, definitely they got more prep on us because they had two weeks, but um, sometimes you can get too much prep. Hmm. Sometimes you can, you know, overanalyze things and, and look at things, you know, too deep. Um, I think people are used to kind of the you get a you get six days to prepare for your opponent, and sometimes when you get you know that much more, it can help you out. You can go you know deeper into some things, but like I said, it could work the inverse way. So, um, you know, they definitely got more prep on us, but. Um, Time will tell to see whether that was a, a benefit or a detriment. Is this team as confident as it's ever been right now? Yeah, I, I mean, I think we have all the reason to be. You know, I think we have great confidence in you know what we're doing offensively with Coach Sanders calling the plays, and we really believe he's going to put us in the best position to succeed. Um, I think defensively, we're playing the best ball we've ever played, and so uh, and special teams wise, we're, we're making plays in all phases of the kicking game. So. Um, you know, I think as a team, you know, everyone feels like things are going in the right direction. You know, we've got, you know, plays are happening for us that last year maybe the ball would have bounced a different way. So um, I think we're all, you know, we're all bought in. We're all excited with where this thing's going. Um, and we're all excited at where we're at right now. But we know, you know, these last five games will be kind of how we're remembered for, you know, how this season's going to be remembered. If I told you in 2014 when you arrived at ETSU that at some point in your college career your team would be ranked with you playing quarterback, what would you have said? Oh, in 2014 before the season, I would have said, yeah, we'll be ranked this year. Um, <laughs> but now after that season, if you had told me that, I'd been like, wow, you know, that's pretty cool. So, um, yeah, you know, this is me and 
one of my buddies was talking about that just a few days ago like man how cool is this that we're five and one and we're ranked and you know we've got this last few stretch of games it's going to be really fun to play so um i think this is you know a really cool way um to finish out you know our career here at etsu I'm glad it's not lost on you because it seems like with the week-to-week approach, and, and Sanders said it during the press conferences, or last night on the coaches show actually, he was like, somebody said that I just never seem happy. <laughs> and it's kind of interesting because, you know, the word that he used a lot in the post game after the 45 nothing win for Gardner-Webb was disappointed. And you hear that after such a dominating win and you start to feel that way and you can kind of see where some people are coming from. But I think his perspective is just so week to week where it, it does seem like sometimes the, I don't want to say small accomplishments because getting ranked is no small accomplishment, but the outside noise is blocked out so much that it does become hard to see if people are really stopping and breathing in any of the awesome things that are happening right now. Yeah. You know, there is a, an aspect of you know block everything yeah. out we have to focus on what we're doing and and you don't want to listen too much to hey you're ranked you guys are doing such a good job um coach says you know listen to what the people in this building say no, you know whatever anyone says outside the building right now doesn't matter so you know we try to do that um but i think kind of for the older guys we can see you know how special this is because we've never been five and one we've right. usually been the opposite right. so um, you know, I, I think this is special um, because we know how hard we've worked and how much it took to get to this point. And so, you know, we can kind of look back in our minds and be like, hey, you know, this is a pretty cool time. Let's enjoy it, but let's also make it even better by continuing to, to do what we need to do. One final one before we step aside and then go to the route tree. Uh, we do a segment called Four Downs, and it's coming uh, – or it, sorry, it happened yesterday – um, uh, last segment of the show, Quay Holmes, Matt Thompson, Jacob Saylor, six combined touchdowns last week. One of the three of us made the bold prediction. It wasn't me, but we made the bold prediction that Austin Herrick would have the first rushing touchdown this week. Your thoughts? That'd be cool. I mean, <laughs> as long as we, we score before them and we, right. we score more points than them, then I'm cool with whoever scores. Austin Herrick, route tree is next. That's Citadel and ETSU talk. 2 o'clock is kickoff in Charleston, 1230 pregame on WXSM AM 640 and 104 Nash Icon. Back with more Austin Herrick and the Route Tree on the Buccaneer Sports Network. This is Santos and the Sidekick. Nice Wonger Children's Hospital is proud to be the only hospital in the region dedicated to serving kids, teens, and their families. With over 20 subspecialists in pediatric medicine, as well as access to the Level 1 Trauma Center at Johnson City Medical Center, we are committed to providing hope and healing to you and your family. To learn more, visit NiceWongerChildrens.org. That's NiceWongerChildrens.org. The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 1216 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. Here's the deal. At Wendy's, every hamburger is made with fresh, never frozen beef. Now here's the big deal. 
you can get a day's double with a half pound of hot and juicy beef, along with small fries and a drink for just $5 when you download the Wendy's app. And the real deal? That's a whole lot of delicious Wendy's food for just $5. Download the app today. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. At participating Wendy's for a limited time. Mullican Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mullican's pre-finished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mullican Flooring. Bucks fans and football fans across the country can now design their dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you create custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from 10 home and building structures designed with over 50 popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. General Shale, a proud supporter of ETSU Athletics. New coach, new era, new day. Here from ETSU football headman Randy Sanders, all fall on the ETSU Coaches Show now on Wednesday nights. If you're scared by all the change, don't be. Voice of the Bucks, Jay Sando, still host from Wild Wing Cafe, and it's still a 6 o'clock start now every Wednesday throughout the football season. Morristown native and new ETSU football head coach Randy Sanders on the ETSU Coaches Show right here on WXSM AM 640. The Extreme Sports Monster. Are you going to the game? Santos and the sidekick on the route tree. Austin Herrick with us. In studio this week, taping it ahead of time. You could hear him asking me if I was going to the game. No, I'll be in studio, but Herrick and the Bucks will be out in Charleston uh, taking on the Citadel Bulldogs, trying to get their first win against Citadel, then following that week up with Wofford, trying to get their first win against Wofford since football's been back, too. Seems almost a bit too good to be true that these are back-to-back and these are the two teams that you haven't beat, but I suppose we'll, we'll have to wait and see exactly what happens uh, when these two Saturdays unfold. Okay, Route Tree, in case you're just joining us and have not uh, heard the segment before, Austin Herrick, quarterback for the ETSU Buccaneers, future sports professional. What we do is lay out a scenario for him in which there are different routes that he can take, being a quarterback and having to choose some routes throughout his career and coming up in his professional career as well. Uh, He's used to this. He's going to have to make more decisions on what route to go uh, often, I'm guessing, over the next number of years. So figure it's a good thing to get him prepped and also use some of his experience already that he's had in his playing career. Austin, are you ready? Yep, ready to go. So what we start doing is uh, asking some questions. Whatever you choose for your answer on those questions is what route that you have chosen for the route tree. Firstly, do you like the new rules regarding quarterback hits and increased player safety in the NFL? This could be a loaded one for you specifically. Yeah, um, I think it's good they're taking steps for player safety, but um, the new quarterback rules specifically, I, I don't like it. So even though it would protect someone in your situation? Yeah, it's just not – you can't play the game like that. I mean, should you just hit a guy, pick him up, and then set him down? I I don't think that's a good way to solve the issue. So that's a no. Uh, if at first you don't succeed, Austin Herrick, must you try again? Yes. 
pretty basic one, right? Do you ever see yourself being an entrepreneur? Yeah. Okay, so you could be an entrepreneur. So, Austin Herrick, you have chosen your route. Go ahead and take that, and uh, let's see what you did. I, Vince McMahon, despite an abomination of a first season, am here today to announce that I will not give up on the XFL. I've never been a quitter. I'll never be a quitter. And I'll be damned if I don't win this battle against the NFL. All my critics are going to rue the day that they cross Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Saturday Night Live is dry and old thanks to that hack, Lauren Michaels. The sports media that don't cover us are an embarrassment to their newspapers, and we don't need NBC. I'm buying out their shares and going with the UPN and TNN. We're also going to start after some serious talent on the field. The NFL doesn't know what it is in for. Okay, so the XFL, which is coming back in 2020. How much interest do you have in the AAF, which is starting in 2019, and the XFL, which is starting in 2020? Yeah, I think that would be really cool. There needs to be, you know, some buffer between college and pro football, you know, the NFL. So um, I think this would be great. I think it would be some, some cool football to watch because you'll get to see guys like, you know, Tim Tebow. Maybe he could have played in that. And Austin uh, Herrick, future AAF quarterback. <laughs> I don't know. I, <laughs> I just may need to go coach, you know. <laughs> I'm tired of getting hit. <laughs> so the XFL the first time around, Essentially what happened, and there's some great documentaries out there about it, but it, it was a more extreme, violent form of football is what it was billed. Vince McMahon is the owner of WWE, in case people aren't uh, aware. Back then it was WWF, and it was right around the quote-unquote attitude era uh, where things were just kind of way over the top. Uh, it was a different time in our society, certainly. But Vince McMahon had to fold the XFL after one year. Ratings were horrible. They had some technical difficulties. The Lauren Michaels bit... Uh, is uh, it was like a Saturday night, and there was, I don't know if it was a lightning delay. We know too much about those this year already, right? Or yeah. whatever the case may have been. SNL had, I think, Mariah Carey hosting when she was big. And because of the contract with the XFL and NBC, they had to delay Saturday Night Live that week by like two hours. And it, was, and it goes on live. And so people were, you know, in the crowd, and of course many were expected to watch on TV at 10.35 or 11.35 or whatever it is on the yeah. East Coast, and it didn't start till like, uh, 12.35 in the East Coast. And people were furious, and Lauren Michaels criticized the XFL heavily. Never <laughs> one to be deterred. McMahon threw even more resources at the XFL in your scenario, Austin Herring, approaching a number of big-name NFL players about walking away from the league and joining the XFL for sizable contracts to provide some competition for first-season MVP Tommy Maddox. Amongst the NFL free agents that were, uh, were available that offseason, Simeon Rice, Marcellus Wiley, Mike Vrabel, Priest Holmes, Rod Woodson, and Tiki Barber, all of whom would take more money from McMahon and join together to dedicate themselves to creating a better product on the field in the XFL. That was also one of the criticisms was the XFL's football was just garbage. Intrigued, fans gave the XFL a second chance with all the big-time names they were able to get from the NFL, and that sports media, begrudgingly so, would start to cover the XFL more. Added intrigue would come... When The Rock was unexpectedly added to the Chicago Enforcers roster, of course, he was the biggest name in pro wrestling at that time, cutting short his wrestling career and living out one of his original dreams of playing pro football. The man that took his job at the University of Miami when he played in college for the Hurricanes, Warren Sapp, would leave the NFL soon after to join 
what would have been his teammate in Tampa Bay, Brad Johnson. Those two never winning a Super Bowl, instead teaming with The Rock in Chicago to win four straight XFL titles as the league continued to grow in popularity with a shift in schedule from the winter to the summer, playing its season from June to August, helping to fill the void of the sports abyss, that dreadful time of year when there's nothing to watch except baseball. Fans would rally behind the more physical nature of the game with the NFL backing off on its physicality, and the XFL would never have to reform as it is now with a scheduled launch date of 2020, instead aligning as non-seasonal competition for the NFL and never being listed by ESPN as the second biggest sports bust ever behind only Ryan Leaf. There's the connection. That all comes back around. I don't even know if we need to do the second scenario. I think that one's pretty cut and dry, where you have made the XFL the power that it never was, but could be again. Yeah, yeah, I'm really Did you ever watch the XFL when you were... That was a little before my time. You're probably four years old. Yeah, I watched the 30 for 30, though. Brilliant 30 for 30. I really like the whole, like, you run to the middle of the field and get the ball. That's pretty wild. Also cool how they they were the ones that pioneered that behind-the-quarterback technology, that kind of video game camera. Yeah, and the the one that's on the field that can travel with the ball. I think that's incredible. I I loved the – I think there was a specific story in the 30 for 30 about how much they were planning to pay – the on-field camera operators, and Vince was like, what do you mean? I'm not paying these guys more. And they're like, Vince, you realize how big of a hazard this is? These guys are like five feet away from really huge dudes. They're not padded, anything like that. And he was like, all right. You know, he was all upset about it. That's just Vince McMahon being Vince yeah. McMahon. But they did a lot of cool things. It, there were just a number of factors that seemed like, and you watching the 30 for 30 would know this, that just seemingly conspired against them and made them destined to fail. Yeah, I think the second time maybe they'll be able to do it better. Um but, yeah, I, I think there's something there. I, I think people have kind of seen the NFL brand kind of, you know, cheap in the last few years, and, you know, maybe they can appeal to the audience that believes that. Austin Herrick could be the next Tommy Maddox. Anybody got thoughts Tommy on that? Tommy Maddox. Yeah, let's go. Hey, get, win a title in the XFL, go to the NFL. Tommy Maddox had a pretty good NFL career. He, he did. I remember they would play the Titans some in the playoffs, yeah. and I remember watching Tommy Maddox. He wasn't too bad. Uh, Austin Herrick on the route tree, he has made the XFL a giant, and it joins the long list of, I think, pretty good things that you've done for sports history. Yeah, I mean, you put me in good situations. So. <laughs> you would deflect the credit. That is so Austin Herrick. Austin, thank you very much. Thank you. Austin Herrick going to Citadel. 2 o'clock kickoff, 12.30 is pregame. You can hear that on WXSM AM 640, the Sports Monster, and 104.9 Nash Icon if you are not heading out to the game. Make sure also you can go to Wildwind Cafe, official watch party of ETSU football every week. Back with bold predictions on the other side of this break. This is the Buccaneer Sports Network. Santos in the sidekick. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges. Or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. Purchasing a new home, remodeling your home, First Bank and Trust makes applying for a loan easy. Our online application process is designed to allow you to stop anytime and pick up where you left off when it works for you. And after you submit an online application, you can check your loan status anytime. Visit or call me, Rose Fulton, today for help with your purchase, refinance, construction, or home loan. We're there for all your mortgage needs because we're your bank for life. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. 
This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were... This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes. Whether you're tailgating at a speedway or courtside watching your favorite player make a breakaway... He Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. Known for its personalized service and friendliness, the environment at the Johnson City Country Club is comfortable, casual, and inviting. One of the greatest assets is the beautiful clubhouse. From the sweeping verandas, the fireplace in the massive ballroom, to our intimate private dining rooms to our 19th hole. The clubhouse accommodates all desires. For decades, the Johnson City Country Club has been host to numerous wedding receptions, business meetings, golf outings, and an array of social functions. The setting is ideal for any event in any season. Whether your function is large or small, your guests will enjoy a fine dining experience with professional, courteous attention. The Johnson City Country Club, a tradition since 19. No one knows better than the Bucks what it takes to compete on the college level. No one knows better than Bullseye what it takes to compete in the business market. At Bullseye, we provide innovative products and services to help our customers meet their business objectives, and you can count on us for graphic design, printing, mailing services, and much more. Bullseye, a preferred partner of the ETSU Athletic Department. Call Bullseye in Johnson City at 423-283-7772 or visit us on Hanover Road near Cheddar's. Bullseye. For all your printing needs. There is no way LeBron James leaves Cleveland again. I agree with Jarvis Landry. I think the Browns are a Super Bowl contender this year. How in the world can you not see that Big Baller Brand is far superior to making the NBA than Puma? Now, rumors fly a lot. Jason Witten is not going to Monday Night Football. I mean, the Mike Ayers rumor that he's leaving, no way. I bet he's there until 2025. Terrell Owens has made a career off jawing, running his mouth. Will he be in Chattanooga for his Hall of Fame induction? No chance. He'll be in Canada. Bold prediction. Well, come Monday, you'll hear how ridiculous all those ended up turning out in our intro for Monday's Bold Predictions recap. Ah. Yikes. We've been bad. Yeah, uh, Jacob we've back in studio. Bad. Please tell us just how bad we've been. All right, fellas. Mike's still in first place at 5-16, and 16, batting 238 for the year. Jay, you fell all the way below 200. They're not even going to send you to Cuba now. You're 4-17, and 17, batting 190. You didn't have to say it with such malice, Jacob. I mean, you're always just, you know, what a, what a negative person. You, know, you claim to be someone that is always trying to bring people together, but you seem to bring us down quite a lot. I just... I just wish he'd stop talking. I know it's the one or two times we let him talk. but Yeah, and to be fair, I think that after he ripped apart the route tree, which how dare he last week, I told him to no longer talk. And he actually did listen to that advice, and it sounds like now he's listening to that advice too. So thank you, Jacob, for knowing your role and shutting your mouth. Jacob. Jacob. Shut up. There we go. All right, here we go. What do we got? Who's going first? You're the uh, leader. Yeah, you, last week you deferred as the leader. Yeah, well, that worked out well for your predictions being bad. So I'm going to defer again. I'd rather see you fail than myself succeed. What does All that right. say about me? That <laughs> says lovely things about you. Go right ahead. I'm going to go with uh, the passing game gets out of its funk. Three touchdown passes in Charleston. Okay. Three touchdown passes in Charleston. What kind of game do you see this being? Higher scoring, lower scoring? Higher scoring than I guess. 
I do I do see a little higher where ETSU, if you look at it in the uh, couple years at Wimby Green Junior Stadium, they're averaging just giving up uh, less than 17 points a game. The problem is on the road, uh, they're giving up a lot more than that. It's in the upper 20s. Right. Um, actually, I think it's in the 30s, lower 30s. But and even this year, uh, with a couple road games now, of course, it got skewed with Tennessee. Right. But still, they gave up, uh, you know, 20 plus points uh, to VMI, yeah. 24 right to VMI. So I do think Citadel's probably going to get two, three scores on the board, uh, maybe around that 21 point range. You know, can ETSU get to, to 28, 35? I think if ETSU got in the 30s, I think it might be tough for Citadel. But I'm thinking this is a 27-24 type game. Citadel's given up 28, 29, 31, and 44. So I think to your point, that's probably where it skews. Earlier in the week, I was playing with the idea that Citadel, because, you know, going to the blackboard, manufacturing some bold predictions. It doesn't just happen, clearly, by your results. Uh, so I, even though I'm only one better than you, uh, I was toying with the idea of saying Citadel would not score a touchdown. But at all, throughout the entire game. Would have been very bold. But you made some very good points earlier on in the week about how the defense has been more of the weakness offensively. There's some recognizable names. And offensively, I mean, they put up, you know, 21, 28, uh, 38, and then 27. So I think you kind of won me over here. So if this does end up hitting this bold prediction, while you will get no points in the standings, and may God have mercy on your soul, Jay Sandos, I will definitely give you the unofficial assist. I'm saying that ETSU on the ground outgains Citadel. Oh, and so that, that is also bold. is that bold. That is very so bold. So I was going way over the top with bold this week. It was either going to be something that made, I think, less sense schematically in the first one I talked about or this one, which uh, I'm not sure makes sense in general, but at least schematically with Citadel struggling defensively makes a, bit, a little bit more sense. I, I'll say this. I like it. This is a bold <laughs> prediction show, and you went About there. as bold as it gets, right? Uh, and the truth is ETSU's ground game is hitting on all cylinders. Kind of my thought process to go the opposite because it would, all that being said earlier, you would think I would lean towards the ground, but I'm thinking Citadel may sell out towards the ground and put some pressure on the defense back. Another thing is, I think Randy Sanders has been so far a good chess master, and I think there may be some uh, plays near the goal line where there's some some play action or some other. The other thing is, I think he wants to take a few shots deep more than what they did previous. So that's why I'm just I'm just guessing that on mine. So. Uh, I'll, can I stay in the Southern Conference no, for my two. second one? Sure. I'm going to go with the VMI Sanford game. We'll have 10 or more touchdown passes in it. Okay. I thought you were about to predict the impossible. Which VMI's never beaten Sanford. Ever. Okay. But no, I'm not going And they're still right. on the long losing streak, correct? <laughs> was it now 24? It was. Uh, 21 with us, yeah, right? Yeah, 21 with us, and then they've lost three. They were two, off three last more? week, right? Okay, so two more. Yeah. 23. Oh, I thought you were going to go there. I thought you were going to channel your inner boldness that you just heard from me coming out without – yeah, you couldn't go quite that far. Ten touchdowns, that was a lot. Ten, t- ten passing yes, touchdowns. I'm not just going ten in so general. Someone, ten passing. both quarterbacks have five or one has six or more. I was thinking six and four was my six guess. Six and four, okay. Who in has the head. six? Well, I Hodges. Know. Yeah, Hodges would have okay, six. Okay, okay. Fair enough. Um, I'm going to stay in the Southern Conference State ETSU, actually, and go with ETSU women's soccer. They have – 
two home matches this weekend, VMI and UNCG. And I know the reputation that VMI has just in most sports. Um, they're predicted eighth in the preseason poll in women's soccer. Uh, they, I think, will be an easier opponent than UNCG, who led the preseason conference poll in first place votes with five. And they also were second overall in the poll with 74 points. I think ETSU sweeps this weekend against VMI and UNCG, and that's coming off two games on the road against Sanford and Chattanooga, which were just tough luck losses, really, um, in terms of timing, and maybe I'm biased when I say that, but the overtime loss to Sanford, that could have gone either way, 2-1, to one, the final score in favor of the Bulldogs. And then Chattanooga, they got a goal 29 seconds left in the first half, one of those where kind of got, got a momentum. It was just a one nothing game, but I'm sure it took, the air out of the sails a little bit for ETSU offensively, and so one nothing was that loss. Bounce back, two wins this weekend at home, VMI and UNCG at Summers Taylor Stadium. Come out and see them, 7 o'clock and 2 o'clock starts on Friday and Sunday. I like it. Uh, my last one, I'm going to uh, stick uh, with the foosball, the football. I'm going to go SCC. Okay. I'm going to go a team coming off a loss versus the number two team in the country. Oh, buddy. It's a late night in oh, Baton Rouge, and I'm going with the Fighting Ed Orjuan and the LSU Tigers, who are a healthy underdog at home to the Georgia Bulldogs. Me and Jacob were having this conversation, and keep your mic off, Jacob. We're not allowing you to talk this segment. Uh, that's mean, isn't it? Shut up, Jacob. Go. Uh, I didn't see that as an upset. 13 in the country versus 2 in the country. Now, the spread right now, I think I saw was like 7.5. More than a touchdown. Yeah, yeah. So I, I find a hard time believing that LSU is that big of an underdog, and how I get they're coming off the loss. That just say what everyone thinks about. And, and again, it was typical I, LSU looking anemic on offense. Yeah. Florida's so maybe clearly got that. a better defense. Yeah. So there's a little bit of that. There's always the overreact, right? I'm big on that. It's like the Iowa State coming off a big win, right? And then they're going to play West Virginia. So people are going to be on the Iowa State train. Speaking right? of Iowa State. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're Iowa not. State. I'm going back to the well no. this week. Yes, I absolutely Classic. am. Iowa State. They, Sucker I, man. I picked them once already this Classic. year. They lost to number five Oklahoma at home, 37-27. I am going back to it. And I know I've gotten burned twice by Jacob Sailors. He had a great uh, week last week. And so I should have picked him that week to go over 100 yards. Right, I picked him two other times to do that. And I was just off on the week. And I'm thinking I'm just off on the week when I picked number five Oklahoma to lose to Iowa State four weeks ago. They turned it around after beating number 25 Oklahoma State 48 to 42 at home last week, and they get the victory over Will Greer and West Virginia. When's the last time West Virginia was actually really, really good at football? I think they had 10 wins two years ago, but aside from that, it was what Pat White and Steve Slayton, like 15 years ago. Uh, the last Rich Rod team he had, right when he won the Orange Bowl. Did they win the Orange Bowl that year? Yeah, they won 11 that year. They okay. got him the Michigan job. So they've kind of been, yeah, which worked uh, out pretty yeah, well for you. Oh, I think, just backtrack. Okay. So you are huge on your week off what do you on mean? everything, right? I'm yes. always a week off. So, <laughs> so Iowa State's already won, so now you're just a week off forward. Well, do you understand on. that? No, they, uh, hold on now. The Oklahoma State win, number 25, that can be pretty much anybody in the country. So I don't see that as that big of an upset. Much like if LSU beats Georgia, I don't see that as that big of an upset. So I think if I'm one big game in this case away. So it was number five, Oklahoma. Then they played Akron, TCU, Oklahoma State. And now here comes the next big game. So I also want to go for clarification. You're not not saying that LSU isn't an upset. You're going with it's not a bold 
right. upset. Yeah, right. right. It, so right. if you're splitting here, but te- not, technically it's an upset yes. because they're lower, but they're at home. And I'm not invalidating your prediction. I, it, it, it clearly fits the rules. It clearly uh, it should not, by any means, not be included. I, that's just a personal thing with me. 13 versus 2, 13 at home. That's why I'm going off of the very surface level type aspect you'd look at. Iowa State, I'm so excited. You excited for Iowa State? <laughs> Woo! Oh, man. I can't wait to see. I love how you're just about to shred Iowa State. I don't even know what your point was going to be. I'm sorry I interrupted it, but it seemed like the perfect time. I don't even know what it was anymore. <laughs> it, it really doesn't matter. No. Because that wasn't planned. Because the cycle And it worked well. Are about to make it. Uh, all right. Woo! Santos and the sidekick will return on Monday. We'll have a recap. PTSU versus the Citadel. We'll briefly touch on all the other sports at ETSU and how they did on the weekend as well. We'll have our bowl predictions graded. We'll try to talk somebody about the contest between Citadel and ETSU with the Bucks still be ranked in the top 25. Will they be climbing that ladder? Will they be continuing on the upward trend? Or will they have to try to bounce back against the best team in the Southern Conference, the Wofford Terriers? That'll do it for this week's episode. Big thanks to Austin Herring. We'll talk to him next Friday as well. Jacob Townsend, thanks in the studio. Mike Gallagher, Jay Sandoz, Sandoz in the sidekick on the bucket. Sports Network.